Welcome to the Tim and Tony podcast. Uh, my name is Tony Felix. My name is Tim LaDuke. All right. So, Tim, you said you, that you had something for us to start off. So go right ahead. Yeah. So I feel bad starting off every single podcast uh, with a lot of depressing shit, but this one isn't going to be that much different. So I'm watching the, the press conference today, right, on CNN, the Trump press conference. And it, it honestly, it, it depressed the hell out of me to the point where I just kind of lost my shit. I turned on Netflix and I was like, I need something that will like restore faith, my faith in humanity here real quick. And I started <laughs> yes. watching Blackfish. And let me tell you something. It, it hasn't aged well. It's still sad. It's still depressing. This whole situation is so just all consuming, depressing all the time that I'm just watching exclusively sad shit on netflix are you okay, doing so anything that's like cheerful in the slightest well here just wait one second what is blackfish oh it's the uh sea world uh documentary oh jesus <laughs> yeah <we're laughs> wow okay yeah that is, that that is pretty sad um yeah no I mean, i'm getting into like really dark corners of netflix again i'm just like bringing up old shit I just can't even I mean, watch a Disney movie. Like it just doesn't hit the same way. Like every <laughs> single time I see one of my friends sharing some like positive ass post on uh, on Instagram, I just message them I'm like, "Hey, shut the hell up." I mean, I, I will say one thing: uh, we're we're prepping for another movie podcast, and uh, just a little preview: the '90s, not a very happy time for movies. Not 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 a very happy time at all. But it's not. But in my opinion. Um, it's happier than the 2000s. Sure. Okay. But um, so I, I will say, though, a happy thing I have been doing, um, I've been taking my dog, uh, Dinger, out for like very extended walks. Yeah. And I mean, he's loving it. Everyone's at the house and all that. Today, I uh, decided that I wanted to see how my arm would feel throwing a baseball around. So we went oh, God. down. Yeah, we went down to the Greenbelt area and I was we were playing fetch and I was about 20 throws in. I'm like, all right, yeah, my arm gave out before he did. So it's <laughs> it's, it's great. So you're thinking about getting back in it, pulling like a, the rookie type shit? Uh, well, like throwing see, 98 on the side of a highway. See, if I was throwing 98, then I'd start buying lottery tickets because that means I will have been throwing about 16 miles an hour faster than I've ever been able to. So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, something that I saw in the news today that I just kind of wanted to get your take on is uh, ESPN released this poll that showed that 61% of uh, sports fans would not be comfortable going back to a game, even if a lot of these restrictions were lifted. I, Me personally... I actually found that shocking. I mean, I've been saying for a long time, including on this podcast, that I think that when the veil is lifted, people are going to go batshit insane um, doing all the things they used to do. But what this poll shows is I think that it it actually might be slower uh, getting back to normal um, than we think. I don't know. I was just wondering what your take was on it. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, the problem with it is a lot of people that can afford to go to games are, you know, older and mm -hmm. those people aren't going to probably be too keen on jumping into buying tickets again. I mean, our age group and younger, they're going to be flooding to bars. They're going to be flooding to, you know, the beach and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I can't afford to go to any games. <laughs> yeah, no, so, no, absolutely I mean, not. Even if presented with the opportunity to buy a ticket, it's like, well, okay, not only do I not have any money, but now I need to, I, th there's just so much going on. Um, it, I just, I, 
it's so hard to gauge because we also don't even know if they're going to allow fans to go to games. So there's just, it, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. It'll get, we'll get back to normal. It's just, I don't know how long, like, are, are we going to be normal by the time, you know, next baseball opening day hits or, you know, are we going to be normal by whenever the next NBA season hits? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, who knows? I just don't think that I, that po- that stat really isn't that surprising to me just because the people that are going to games, they're the risk group. And so, and obviously like no one's coming here to listen to our expert opinions on COVID-19, but I mean, it's just, it really seems like that sports is going to be one of the bigger, biggest things hit that. And obviously the food industry or the restaurant industry, but right. Yeah. I, I, I seriously think it's going to be a pretty long time until we see, you know, sold out stadiums even longer in Arizona. Cause Lord knows it's hard to <laughs> Lord knows, even if everything's going great, no one shows up to those games. So it's, right. it's going to be a while. I mean, it, tr- it really is a sad state of affairs. I mean, I'm just thinking back to a few days ago when I am like live texting you my thoughts and feelings on the NBA 2K tournament. <laughs> and oh, like, which, by the way, by the way, our uh, very own Phoenix Suns, uh, DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker in the Final Four. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that too. Is this the best Suns moment of the last decade? Oh, absolutely. I like, mean, this we're, is the most successful we've been, right? In terms of like the national spot. I mean, hell, any spotlight. Well, I mean, if you if by successful you mean like winning the purpose of whatever the thing is, I mean, we won the draft lottery. That that's pretty good. Yeah, but like is this like I don't know, this just feels like our apex and I hate to do the old guy on the couch thing. But is this what's wrong with our team that our two best players are this good at 2K? Apparently, <laughs> like I know um, these guys well, have a ton of downtime, but fuck, like. <laughs> well, and and I, and I mean, Aiden, he's using you know whatever substances to cover up whatever's in his pee. So I mean, he he had a he had a nice month off this past season. The okay, really... oh, okay. I thought you were going a different way. Never mind. Okay. Well, no, no, no. So he's he's had a long time to practice the two K skills and Booker. I mean, we've never won more than 20, we've never won 25 games with him. So, you know, we're never playing in the playoffs. So they both always have a lot of downtime and a lot of off time in the off season. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest. Um, yeah, again, this is going to sound like old guy on the couch, but uh, could Devin Booker maybe have played on Team USA instead of fucking playing 2K all summer? Maybe I that mean, would have been both, right? I maybe mean, that would have been a little beneficial. I don't know. You know, it. <laughs> I would, I, I would have enjoyed seeing him playing, especially along, you know, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and the guys that did that did actually play. And maybe they, I mean, he had a chance of being the best player on that team, and the team ended up not performing nearly to what the our inter, the United States international standards are. So, it could I mean, have been it, his coming out party, like selfish. Yeah. And, like, and instead, we still have yet to win 25 games with him. Granted, we were on pace for it this year, but of course, we didn't get there. So, you know, depending on what happens with this season, if there's another regular season game played, which it's looking increasingly like that's not going to be I would happening. bet that's not the case. Yeah. So then we're going to be going into his first season of his actual extension, right? And we still have yet to even be near even 500. It's just, it's just depressing. But hey, at least, at least they're great at 2K or at least they're good amongst their peers in 2K because what I've seen from them hasn't been all that impressive. I actually thought Booker was really good at 2K. Like he was legitimately good at 2K. I didn't watch the whole Aiton thing. I watched like towards the end when he was up by a ton. And so I wasn't really seeing a lot of his stuff. Um, But you know, I, people always look at me and they don't get why I'm such a miserable sports fan. And <laughs> I just want to emphasize that there are several reasons. Among them is this horseshit story that comes out um, this last week about our owner trying to buy out the minority owners. And long story short, he's obviously doing this in order to be able to move the team and, and have he's, he's trying to centralize more control. And so these minority owners are suing him for doing that. And... I just have this to say, and 
you know, I've, I don't ask a lot from this podcast. I don't. I do this mostly, you know, for my own entertainment. And when people listen, it just means the world to me. But if someone could please like send just a snippet of this clip to Ken Kendrick, I would just really, really appreciate it. And then, and then have them for what I'm, what I'm going to respond with, if they can include that in the snippet. So go ahead, Tim. If you can't afford, if you can't afford to have a sports team, there's no shame. Most of us can't. 99.99% of us can't. But why in the holy fuck are you making an entire state miserable with your bullshit greed, with your bullshit cheapness, you are an absolute embarrassment and an atrocity. And I hate you so much. And I want you to sell the team more than I want literally anything else in this world. Like you could come to me today and be like, Tim, I will give you $100 million or I'll tell you Ken Kendrick will sell the team. I'd actually take Ken Kendrick selling the team because I'm so fucking miserable. <laughs> So, all right. So again, Ken Kendrick, if you're hearing this, what I'm about to tell you, yeah, God, I hope you are. What I'm about to say, I want you to take just absolutely 100% seriously. And I mean this very, very sincerely. I feel like I am in an abusive relationship. I feel like this team every single year, because there's false hope. There's false hope, just like with the Suns, but more so with the Diamondbacks. There's false hope every every couple years where, oh, we make this guy, we sign this guy. Granted, 90% of it's deferred, but we sign this guy. And, oh, man, we've got a young core and all this. And then one of our best players leaves. And we make the playoffs for one year, and then four, and then four years go by of mediocrity. And then we have another round, but we never like we we haven't gotten past game three of the NLDS since what two thousand and eleven. Uh, yes, that's. I mean, we haven't gotten past the NLDS since oh seven. Um, yes, yeah. So I mean, it's just it's awful. It's miserable. It's depressing to watch this team. Please get me out of my misery. Please, I, I I feel abused every single time I put on a TV and I get emotionally invested in you, mm-hmm. and I I can't help it because I it's like I have fucking Stockholm syndrome. But please, for the love of God, either move the teams, so then I can just pick somebody else or sell it because I'm I, I'm I'm done. Yeah. I, I really am. And by the way, I, I'm not going to spend too much more time on this because nobody wants to hear us uh, stay too long on this topic. But Which, hey, by the way, Knicks fans, I know how you feel too. I do. I, 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 I get it. Knicks fans. Uh, it's I actually mean, Clippers. Cl- Clippers fans until Balmer got there, and we already talked about Balmer at nauseum. <laughs> I mean, we we feel we, we feel you. We feel your pain. Not many of you have two hor- horrific owners in your same city. No. But my God. Is it? I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf isn't great, but again, it's just it's it's just depressing. Like it's but so I'll say bad. This about but the we, Knicks we, fans. I mean, yeah, at least ahead. you guys have like group therapy that you can go to. Like this is this Tony is, and I's group therapy. Yeah, yeah. This is our group therapy. Me, like the two of us, my brother, and you know, maybe a couple of other people. A couple like, of the assholes it. on our group chat. Who shall not be yeah. named? Yeah, a couple, a, a couple of the fact checkers that we have, and you know that's it. That that that's about it. It's just it's it's depressing. It's I mean, the it, worst. What's well, what's funny is is so we're bitching about Ken Kendrick. Yeah, we have an owner in Arizona that in I believe it was 2013 was voted by Forbes as the worst owner in professional sports, and it was not Ken Kendrick. It was Robert Sarver. But it, it's. It is what it is, I guess. <laughs> I'm just, I just want to phrase it like this and then we'll move on. It's such a good business decision too, because he buys the team for what? Like two, three, two or 300 million when he, when he gets it. I well, checked today, did, but yes, I, I checked. What, what was it? 
I just said, well, he didn't. He needed like 90 other people to join with. Him, yeah. But yes. Yes, that, that's correct. I checked today. The team's worth like one and a half billion or something like that. And he's like, 90 yeah, great. Fuck, he's 90 fucking years old. What are you doing? Great. Like, you're Sell bad it. at this. Like, why do you enjoy? Why do you enjoy doing something that you suck at? Like, I don't enjoy doing things I suck at. It's it's the weird. It's just bizarre to me. And okay, we're gonna move off this topic. Tony, what's the main topic for today? All right. So, on a more cheerful and hopeful note, yes. What we're gonna be talking about today is I, I posed this question to Tim and. In just our, you know, daily conversation back and forth. And then we realized that we had something that we could kind of expand on and do in this format. But I asked him, like, man, if there was a game that, like, in in your lifetime, if there was a game that you could have been to that you weren't, like, like live, what, what would that game have been? And then, you know, you responded with, oh, I don't know, that, that I need to think about it. And then I said, wait a minute, don't tell me, save it. So we're going to be doing, we're picking one NBA, one MLB, and one NFL game that, you know, that we watched on TV um, during our lifetimes um, that we would pick to be in person. So go ahead, Tim. Yeah. um, So I spent a lot of time on this, like just an inordinate amount of time like I do on most things for this podcast. And... I'm going to start with the top game first because I think it's going to be a little contro- a little controversial. When I was going through the the best games in all the major sports over the last 30, 40, 50 years, I was stunned to find how many of them were on the road. I mean, when you think back, you think the Bulls, or excuse me, excuse me, um, the Cubs, they finally win, they're on the road. The Sox win, finally win, uh, they're on the road. The Heat win, all of their fans leave. Um, so they're basically on the road. Yeah, so they're basically on the road. Um, and, and there's a uh, LeBron wins the, t- the title for Cleveland. They're on the road. Uh, I don't have the whole list in front of me, but basically most of the big moments that have happened in sports have, have been on the road. And when I was thinking of an event that I want to be at live, one of the qualifications that I have for that is the environment is, is kind of the buzz that I'm going to be involved in is the moment. And I don't think like, I don't know. I think it would be cool. I think it would have been amazing to watch the Cubs win. Right. But I don't, but there's just not that buzz in, in Cleveland, you know, that there would be in Chicago. Like I'd almost rather be watching it in a bar in Chicago. You get what I mean? So uh, yeah, you you you're gonna see that my list is uh, very it's rather personal to me. Okay, and, and you could it's probably pretty predictable. Uh, but yeah, so go go ahead and go with your first one. And I'm I'm glad that I'm glad we did different things then. And so this is a little bit off the beaten path, but the thing that I wish that I could have been there in the MLB the most for, I really wish that I could have seen Jeter's last game at Yankee Stadium. And let me let me make the case. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Growing up uh, playing baseball, Jeter was the guy that everybody my age tried to emulate in some form or the other. Jeter was basically the face of, if not one of the faces of my favorite sport. For about 15 years, he played for the most important team in American history arguably, and he was their captain for most of that time, wins five rings. Um, the moment, though, that last game where he's there, and I imagine this is what it, it would have been like for like Kobe fans to see him play in his last game. The thing with Yankee Stadium is that it's, it's 50, 55,000 people strong, and just the buzz that had to have been around that game when he steps up. Um, right before he hits the walk-off single, if you'll remember, in his last game. Um, and just seeing the fan reaction to him after the game when he goes out and, and takes the base. And it just seemed like it was so chock full of just emotion and pure fandom that honestly, you know, growing up where I did, we we haven't had too many moments like that. And I just think it would be cool to be in a crowd of like 50,000 people all just having this 
incredible experience at once. I mean, I don't know. You can make fun of me. That That's fine. Go ahead. Well, so no, I mean, I'm not going to make fun of you. It's obviously a hist- an, an historic moment. The original Yankee Stadium was in the cathedral of baseball. And to see Derek Jeter play his last game and the way that that all just ended with that walk-off, I mean, it, it's a borderline religious experience. And if you're a lifelong Yankees fan, it wouldn't even be a borderline. It would be a, it would be a religious experience. What's ironic is, is that my MLB pick was, it, it involved Derek Jeter, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. It was the 2001 uh, Game 7 World Series in Arizona. I mean, you talked about energy, you talked about buzz. I Now, you and I were about five years old um, when this game happened, but it just yes. so happens that I am related to somebody that was actually there my dad who's a uh, firefighter he was working that game and he was in the building and the thing that he says is he's never he's never been to a to a sporting event that had the energy that had the just the buzz um going around just the excitement more nervous excitement and just the tension because, and I rewatched this game recently. I mean, both pitchers were just going great. Roger, I mean, the impressive thing about Roger Clemens in that game was that he didn't he didn't have his stuff going at all, but he still pitched masterfully. But yeah, it's almost entire, like it's almost like he was enhanced somehow. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, no, keep going. no, absolutely not. I mean. No, nobody in that game was was juicing in 2001. Real quick aside, because I, I watched this game recently as well. Like, everybody is just jacked out of their minds. Oh, <laughs> this yeah. is like 20 years of training in medicine ago. Like, when you go back and watch it, it's almost humorous. Like, these guys are just like, it's, it's absurd. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say the only guy that wasn't jacked is Mark Grace. And God love him. That dude was just skinny. He was just old man skinny. And, yeah, he just you know, drank copious amounts of alcohol. Yeah, and continued to um, after his playing career. But again, that's a different podcast. We love Mark Grace. Um, I do too. But stop drinking especially, God damn it. It's not funny. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, just just to think of me, and especially if I was there at five years old, like just thinking what that would have done for me as a sports fan and as specifically a Diamondbacks sports fan, again, fuck you, Ken Kendrick. Um, I mean, the excitement that I remember watching at home with my brother um, and my mom, it just, it, it was the coolest moment of my life. And of course I was five years old. So, I mean, what did I really experience? But I still remember that feeling and I still remember where I was and everything to be in the stadium and not even just for the end of the game for the uh, Gonzo hit to be in the stadium when Kurt Schilling gives up that home run to Alfonso Soriano just to feel the disappointment and then to feel the elation when they bring in Randy Johnson out of the bullpen, even though he had just pitched. Like to be at that moment, to be at the moment, to be at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) To be at the moment when Tony Womack ties the game and, you know, we, we've, we did it. We made Mario, we, we made the great Mariano Rivera blow a save is I think it was his first blown save in all of postseason history by that point. At that time. yeah. Yeah. And we broke him for like two years after that. Yeah, and then to see to see that, and then to see Gon- Luis Gonzalez, or as we call him Gonzo, to see him just fist that ball right off, right off the the inside on a Mariano Rivera cutter, and then just to see every single player just go ape shit. Like, there's not many World Series Game Sevens that win on a walk off. And like, go ahead, make fun of me because I want to be there for an Arizona Diamondbacks World Series game. But think think back to the Great World Series. There's an argument to be made that that World Series is the greatest ever, with all the walkouts, with all the back and forths, just with everything that was going on in the country back then. It just it, it yeah. was amazing. I wish I could have been there. So, so now, I, hang on, 
hang on. I, I do want to pause on, on that thought for a second because it's been talked about a lot over the last few weeks, and that is what was going on in the country at, at the time that that game's going on. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need to do any history lessons on here, but, you know, when you go back and you see how sports was really a part of, of the healing process for the entire country um, after 9-11 happened, I I, th- I think that we're all hoping that sports can kind of do that again. What's so different this time, and I hate to be like a negative Nancy, but what's so different this time is that 9-11 brought us together. This has pushed us both physically and ideologically, in my opinion, further apart. And I wonder what that will do when sports comes back, if it'll be as cathartic of an experience, especially if, especially if, you know, the NFL, if we're still like doing the shelter in place stuff, God forbid, or if the virus is coming back or if people still have it and the NFL is doing dumb shit, like playing games with 80,000 fans. Well, and what's, what's interesting um, is I think, cause obviously baseball has traditionally been America's pastime and all that stuff. So back in 2001, baseball was looked to as the sport to kind of give us that distraction. Mm -hmm. What I think is interesting and could be talked about for a while um, is I think the NBA at this moment would be that sport because the the NBA as a national audience seems to be the most engaged and the least toxic. Um, Not to say that it isn't toxic, but it's less toxic than the, than the NFL and it's just more heavily followed on a national scale in the MLB. So I think what would be interesting well, okay. is, but hang on, it, I, I, I think it would be the NBA. I don't. I don't mean to interrupt you on that point, though. It's just, you know, the NBA in the sort of bubble that you and I are in is universally popular and has universal approval. I I can guarantee you. I mean, it was like what two years ago the shut up and dribble thing. I don't think that those guys are very sure. popular with like conservative America at this point. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's, you know, and, and that's why they're, they're and that, but that's why I'm saying that this would, this could be talked about a lot longer, but I, I just think that MLB isn't nearly as popular as it was in the early two thousands. And I think the NBA, especially given the leadership of Adam Silver would be able to, sort of give us that catharsis and to give us that kind of moment to just enjoy. Okay. Let me ask you one more thing and we'll keep moving. Do you think that something like sports can have that cathartic effect again? Cause obviously we were alive, but not present when the nine 11 thing, uh, when nine 11 happened and the aftermath, do you think that we can have a cathartic experience like that? That, you know, for, for, for sports, um, it's the 01 World Series. It's it's Bush throwing out the first pitch. It's it's all that. I don't know. My, my actually my gut reaction is no, is that it, it won't be as cathartic. That it won't have as big of an effect. Um, I just think, because of where we are. But I'm just wondering what your take is on that. No, I I think it, I think the NBA specifically would have the potential to be cathartic if if there were new teams in the NBA final. So, and what I mean by that is, is not a LeBron James or a Warriors team. If, if it was new and it was fresh, like no one dislikes Giannis. Nobody dislikes, uh, I don't know, Damian Lillard. Nobody dislikes some of these other players that haven't just been in the finals year and year out, year and year out. If we could see a different matchup, I think then that would give us a moment of like a new beginning. Right. Though I, I though I do think if we resumed the season, I do think it would be probably Lakers Bucks, but you know, and obviously that would mean that LeBron James is in the finals again. But like, if we could somehow get I don't know a Nuggets Bucks finals, I do think that that would be a cool moment to just kind of let everybody exhale and just watch the game. Because right. then there wouldn't be an, a LeBron MJ argument. There wouldn't be something like that hanging over. There wouldn't be a Warriors Super Dynasty thing hanging around. It would just be two teams. It would be a lot like this past Super Bowl, where Patrick Mahomes would be the Giannis 
And it's just kind of like, oh man, we get to see this really cool new player in the championship game. And then, you know, the Niners and the Nuggets, they're just like a good collective team. And I, I don't know. I just think this past Super Bowl, there weren't a lot of those like kind of toxic sports radio conversations because the Patriots were in it, because there wasn't something hanging over the game, like meta wise. And you know, the, the thought that I just had is like, how funny is it going to be when Trump tries to have his Bush moment and come throughout the first pitch and he just gets the rain of booze like he did at the world series. Oh, Oh, I wouldn't even be looking forward to the booze as much as I would be looking forward to see how, like what his throwing motion is. Well, that like, and I'm just thinking like, like that, that, that would just that, you know, how all this kind of stress has kind of taken some years off my life. I think that would add a few years onto my life if I got to see Donald Trump try to throw out the first pitch at a game. I, I think that would be great. It would likely be 50 cent level, but I think that we should just we should just settle for like watching um, like Obama and Steph Curry shoot from half court or something. <laughs> and see, yeah, and, that, and see, and see, that would be a very that would be more cathartic. Uh, <laughs> that would be a lot less toxic. That would be a lot more just kind of oh, okay, that's cool. Like, like Steph has to make ten to before Brock makes one or something. I don't know. Oh, I mean, let's not disrespect Brock. I mean, I'm let's say like ten to three, ten to four, something like that, but not mm. one. Dude, dude can shoot. Mm. All right, uh, what sport are we doing next? Uh, so let's do NFL. So Ooh, okay, you yeah you have the floor on this one. So I'm going to steal yours. Um, I know which one you're going to pick, and I tried my damnedest to pick something different. But here's the thing: um, the greatest gambling moment in the history <laughs> of my young life is the twenty-eight to three. Is the twenty-eight to three comeback? It is. Yes. But I want to. I want to make a point. I want to make a and point. If, and, and if you can't hear me, Tim, I'm clapping because I'm very happy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to allow you to, to tell us the ins and outs of this game. But I just have to get this off my chest. It's a take that I've had for a long time. The neutral site thing for Super Bowls is very stupid. It's very stupid. It, it takes away Ooh. from moments like Ooh. this. Interesting. It's a. It's an absolute money grab for the NFL, and I hate every single bit of it. Like if this game is in Atlanta or New England, it's just a different moment. And the the problem in my opinion with Super Bowls is that all of the great Super Bowl moments don't have that fan that genuine fan reaction behind it. You have a bunch of rich pricks sitting in Miami clapping. <laughs> like I'm I'm sorry, it's it's just not it's not the no, same I mean, thing for I, me. And I I don't like it. But I'll I'll let well, you have the floor on that. Game. No, no. But what's what's interesting that you say that is I'll kind of tease the NBA moment that I that I'm going to be doing. But it, it's it's an away game for the team that wins. And what's what's just amazing is it's silent, so you can hear yeah, all weird. the players yelling. And it's 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 one way or the other. The neutral site is kind of the worst of both worlds because then there's some fans cheering but not enough to really be any energy to see a team in the NBA clinch a finals at the other play at the other team's place. It's awesome because it's just so, it's so just bizarre. That's what it's I mean. It's so awkward. And, and conversely, if they clinch it at their home, at their home place, it, it's pandemonium and everybody just goes ape shit. Yeah. But, but so, there's something to that though. Like you think uh, yeah. LeBron game seven, uh, or game six in Boston um, several years ago. Like that wouldn't be as like amazing of a fan experience, but to, you know, be in a building where you can hear the pin drop and like yeah. grown ass men are crying in the stands. Like that's sports. Yeah. Like I honestly, like I, if I ever made any money in life, I would love to go to as many sporting events as I possibly could. The Super Bowl, honestly, I don't know that it makes like the top 10 for me. So what was interesting when I'm going through my list, and obviously we already said it, my pick is the same. It's Super Bowl 51 Patriots Falcons. Um, what's the, the reason why I picked this game is not because 
of like, you know, being at a Super Bowl and the energy that comes with that, because it's, you're right. It's different because it's so mixed and there's like, it's the wealthiest, um, it's the wealthiest demographic from both fan bases. (laughs) Or it's just like like fucking tech execs. Yeah. (laughs) Or even worse, you know, like. And so it's not like, oh, season ticket holder, person A, B, person A and B that have had, you know, nosebleed seats since, you know, since before Gillette Stadium when it was, those uh, people aren't there. It was just Foxborough Stadium. That's what I'm saying. They're not there. And so, but I picked this game specifically because it's a, and I know I said this earlier, but this game for Patriots fans and specifically Tom Brady fans, is a religious experience because you're you go through all the different stages in the beginning of the game. The offense is looking good. And then we've got some turnovers and, you know, the Falcons are playing well, but they just can't seem to put together a drive. And then, you know, the Falcons score a touchdown, but you know, we've been in a bunch of Super Bowls, So you're not really that down about it. It's like, all right, whatever. We've been here before. We're going to be fine. Then we give up the second touchdown. It's like, all right, like let's, let's start getting it going. The feeling I had just watching it from Arizona when Tom Brady threw that pick six and he does the dive and uh, Robert Alford runs by him, like the feeling was just like, huh, wow, I this this might be over, like this might th- this might be the lasting image that we have from this team, and. So then you go through halftime and then you get to the third quarter and they score again. And it's like, wow, like this has never happened. Like even in the two Giants losses, they were both close games. And there were certain versions of the game where we win. Like if Wes Welker catches it in 2012 one, we win that game. If David Tyree doesn't catch that pass, we probably win that game. Mm -hmm. Like, and so this one, it was turning out to be just an absolute blowout. And then we're sitting there and, you know, I'm the manic sport fan that like this, this Super Bowl showed me that no game is ever over until it literally hits zero because we get the field goal. And then were you going to say something? I was going to say, honestly, that's been a bad thing for my, uh, my gambling habit. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. Well, no. So like. So to be in the stadium when every single pay, every single overconfident Patriots fan, I'll take away the over. Every single confident Patriot fan going into that game, I mean, we don't even know how to react to this because our team's usually the well-oiled machine and all that stuff. And to see it like this is just like, wow, okay. And then, you know, we get the touchdown. And then Goskowski, one of the most consistent players in – the team's history, he misses the extra point. It's like, holy shit, man. Like nothing's going right. And then obviously to be there when every single thing from three minutes in the third quarter on goes right for us to see every single thing fit like a puzzle piece perfectly with the amount of time that we have left to be in the stadium for that, like just rewatching it. And you know, it was a big deal on, uh, Twitter and Instagram that Tom Brady was rewatching the game and all that stuff. And he said, and it, and the thing that he said perfectly summed up my feeling when I rewatched it, how the fuck did we come back and win this game? How the hell did we do that? And it just goes by like a blur. And I, I can't imagine being in the stadium. And then at the end of that game, seeing Tom Brady, Bill Belichick and Roger fucking Goodell standing on the same podium after everything that had happened, to see Goodell hand over the trophy to Kraft. Oh, my God. Like, right. I, it, it just would have been absolutely amazing. And that was my num- – that that was actually my number one pick. Yeah. I, I want to talk about my experience with this because I put a copious amount of money on this game when I was 21 years old, 20 years old. I don't want to say how much because, you know, people are listening and stuff. But I was, uh, I was waiting tables at the time, and I left the restaurant – um, I left my shift when it was twenty eight to three, and I saw it on the on the t- on the TV. Wait and a like, second, I don't remember. I, I I don't remember that you worked that night because we worked at the I same did. restaurant. I yeah, I didn't remember that. I I did work, so I left the restaurant when it was twenty eight three, 
And on my way home, I'm like having conversations with God. I'm like, please, God, I will never gamble again. I swear I'll never gamble again if you just let me push this. And oh, I, I get home. Good, good to hear that you lied to him. Yeah. And of course, I realized that it was uh, I had it three and a half. For some reason, I thought it was three when I was working the whole time. Um, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm like having this religious experience over how much money I'm, I'm going to lose. And then they start coming back. And honestly, like I was saying earlier, I think this was the worst thing that could have happened for my gambling habit. I really do. <laughs> because it taught me that like crazy shit like this can always happen. And, and to me, I, I just never think I'm out of any bet that I'm in, even no matter how far I'm out of it, because I was on the winning side of this one. And I mean, something that you didn't get to experience, but that minus three and a half going into overtime was dicey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dicey. I remember you... I remember you texting me and just like, if you guys win this, but I don't cover by 0.5, I'm yeah. never going to talk football with you ever again because yeah. I just don't want to hear it. And I'm like, like oh my God, it, it was three and a half. Like, I got just really going, greedy. going into an overtime. But of course, you didn't know that whenever the Patriots win a toss in the playoffs, we just go ahead and score the touchdown and the game's over. Yeah, we want the ball and we're going to score. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So when <laughs> when they cover on the last thing, I actually probably there might have been a tear that came out of my eye, <laughs> and I was like, I, you know what, I'm done gambling until tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> until tomorrow, when we're looking up Uzbekistan crochet lines, right? Um, right. Absolutely. But but no, I mean, I'm you and me both with tears coming down their eyes and champagne just flowing into my mouth at this point. But I mean, it just, that game, I can't imagine. I, I might've gotten arrested that night. Had I been at the game? Like, I, I just don't know. I, I honestly have no idea what I would have done if I was there seeing that game. Like I, I just would have lost it. I know that I personally would have had a heart attack because I probably would have like bet my ticket price or something stupid. Yeah, I was going to say you 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 would have been out the ticket price and the bet. So yeah, yeah I that's understandable. It's sort of been like fuck, like <laughs> I'm going to be homeless. Like this is horrible. <laughs> yeah. But, uh All yeah. Right, so so Tim, what's your uh, what's your NBA pick? This was really tough for me. Like really tough. I mean, I there's a uh, some comedic ways I could go with this, like malice at the palace, uh what I would do <laughs> if I had been there. How I would have handled the situation. Um, Jesus. You know, I, I thought about doing the Ray Allen shot just because it would have been kind of funny. But here's the thing. I know that I would have stayed, right? But I don't know that I would have liked to have been there in like a half-empty stadium when that happens. Yeah, see, I'm, my pick is a very sadistic. It's, it's a very sadistic pick. So Yeah, we'll, okay, so... The the one that that I really decided on, and it's it's only because I I went back and I, I watched the last half of this game um, the other day was the uh, the '98 Finals uh, Jazz Bulls when Jordan hits the shot when he pushes off <laughs> and hits when the shot with uh, six he, seconds to go. You mean when he yeah when he commits an, a blatant offensive foul? Oh. You can see it on the grainy film the first time, even if you're not looking for it. <laughs> like, you, like you think some of the stuff that like Harden does is bad. Like, well, wait, Tim, was Tim Donaghy uh, refing this game by chance? Was he? Do, I do, don't know. Do, uh, no, I'm asking. Like, was did, did he have money on this game by chance? Oh, um, I don't know, but I know that like if I did, I honestly, knowing my betting habits, there's, I would just like get sucked into the cold of Jordan and I'd be like, there's no way I'm betting against that guy. There's just no way. I don't want one cent of my money against that guy. But I don't even know what the line was for that game. I should have looked that up. Um, Here, keep talking. I'll, I'll check it out for you. Yeah. So what struck me about this game is, again, it's, it's another unbelievable sports moment that happens on the road. But the the stadium after that happens when just their hearts are ripped out because they had just lost to Jordan the year before and then the next se- the season this season that they're playing in 90 97 98 they go undefeated against the bulls and they're like the jazz are doing the whole here we come we got this watch out 
And Jordan just absolutely cements his his legacy, really, with, with that shot. And, you know, it, if I'm at this game, I would hopefully have been alive for some time before and gotten to experience all the other uh, highs of Jordan's career. And I don't know. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about the best to ever do it, seeing him cap, cap off his career, basically, because I know he played after that, but we all just try to forget about it. Um, to see oh, him cap off his I, career. Tr- tr- trust me, I don't. <laughs> to see him do that, I mean, I mean, come on, like that's that's what sports is about. That's like why we watch is is shit like that. So that's that's the so, one that I ultimately decided on. So reportedly, and you're gonna love this, and this is how I know for a fact you would have bet on this game. Uh, so this game was apparently, and again, per this website that I'm looking at. The Jazz were favored by two and a half. Oh my god! Are you serious? <laughs> uh, I mean that, that it's apparently. I mean I'm not on like ESPN or some actual sports site, but apparently, it, it apparently the Jazz were favored by two and a half. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I I, I can confirm that. I mean, what's amazing. <laughs> Um, and I didn't know this, but they they weren't going back to Chicago because they they played four games that or no, excuse me, they did no. The game seven would have been in, in Chicago. Oh wow, yeah, and that and that would have been a cool moment for for those fans. So that kind of makes sense. Like you're you're thinking maybe they let up and they let their foot off the gas a little bit, and they kind of did. By the way, in this game, you know, you forget that Pippen goes out. Not goes out, but he gets the leg strain, I think, early in this game. Um, and Jordan just like decides that he's just going to win it by himself. Scores 40, um, I believe, and just completely rips the heart out of that team. It was really something to watch. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good pick. I, uh, I I do think that Bob Costas's call at the end of that game is just yeah. awesome. Um, as as much of a LeBron fan I am, and as much as that has made me feel so, at least some animus to Jordan and his believers, I will call them the the call that Bob Costas does. It it perfectly sums up the moment without saying too much. It lets the sort of silence and just anxious waiting for the inevitable from the fans in Utah. It, it lets that breathe out on the podcast. It, it's it's just a really good call. I, however, picked... And th- the reason why I picked this was because I would have just loved to be there just to... Like, I probably would have died. I wouldn't have made it out of here alive to just make fun of the fans in this stadium. Game 7, 2016, Cavs versus Warriors. I, I, I would have just loved to have been there wearing just all the LeBron James shit that I could have found. And just when, when the block happens and then when Mo Spates puts up that last prayer and it misses to just lose it and just get the absolute shit beaten out of me. But it would have just, it would have just been amazing. Hang on. It it really would have been. Hang on. I I take issue with you saying you're going to get the shit beat out of you. Like, have you did you see the crowd at that game? A bunch of Silicon Valley <laughs> dorks, frankly, and I can say that I I am absolutely a nerd. Um, but, I mean, but here's but here's the thing: this was still an Oracle Arena, and so like there were still some diehards there. Like now that they're in the Chase Center, now nobody's beating no, the shit out of you at this game. That's I mean, I, I I appreciate your confidence in me, but I I if anyone was packing that game. I I mean I would have done enough for them to pull it out. Sidebar, I'm just I'm sidebar. We should definitely do a podcast on the uh, Dodger Stadium beatings in the future. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> God, um, yeah, that'll be a good one for your uh, LA for your L, for our LA listeners. But like this game. To see the block, to see Kyrie Irving shot, to see... I mean, if you don't remember, the last, like, four, five, four minutes of this game is actually some pretty bad basketball. There's some pretty bad shots. 
there's not a single point scored for like a two and a half, three and a half minute stretch. Like it's really bad. We get the Stephen Curry possession when he gets locked up by Kevin Durant or by uh, Kevin Love, and we get you know yeah, him throw. We get that throw behind the behind the back pass that he just throws into the stands. We get like uh, Kyrie Irving trying to score when all they really need to do is hold the ball, and then he like throws it out, and it's just it, J.R. Smith of all people's telling him to calm down. Like to, yeah, and I mean, see- real quick on the the Curry thing is I I heard Windhorse say this is that the play that Steph regrets most isn't the uh, the Kevin Love one it's the behind the back end of the stance but anyways keep going oh, oh oh yeah that was abominable because he didn't have to do it yeah. but and you know you can't regret something that you didn't have control of if you're Stephen Curry on that Kevin on the Kevin Love uh, getting well, put he on just Kevin Love Island was the thing but he couldn't. Because he, he had a bum ankle. And yeah. so, I mean, hey, when when you're put on Kevin Love Island, like, you just got to try and survive. <laughs> but I'm going to ignore this. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave that to the side. But to see the Draymond Green just absolute point explosion that he has. Because <laughs> for those of you that don't remember, Draymond Green got a triple-double in that game. Dude scored 30, I believe, 32 points. The way we view Draymond is so much different if they win this game. It's like night and day. Yeah, we we might actually think that he has some like offensive ability. Which, Maybe he could sit at the we, table. Yeah, you know, it's that 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 would be interesting. That that would be an interesting little nugget if they won that game. But but they didn't, and thankfully, and that's why it's on my list because to just be in that arena when all those fans are just dejected and sad. That's what I was saying. It's sadistic. Like, oh man, it would have been, it would have been pretty cool to be at the, um, to be at LeBron's first championship clincher. It would have been cool to see one of the high points, high point games of the Suns, Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire run, though there were not that many in the playoffs. Yeah. But like if we, if I went back to like the game where Hori just throws him six feet, you know, six rows back into the stands, um, I I never would have been. I'd probably be still in prison. Oh yeah, no, you and I would have ran onto the court. Yeah, no, I I, I would have had to try to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like I'll never forgive Robert Ori for that. <laughs> yeah, and I think if I was at the game that uh, Kobe Bryant, we actually get Kobe Bryant to airball to airball a uh, buzzer beater. Yeah, and then think, run our test gets the offensive way, rebound because Amari Stoudemire just couldn't rebound to save his life. And then that just happened. It just, oh my God, if I would have been there, I just think I would have stopped watching sports. I just think I would have just been too, too depressed, but no game seven, 2016 NBA finals to see all those things. And God, if, if LeBron could have finished that dunk, if LeBron could have finished that dunk that Draymond hacked him on that he couldn't finish, I think LeBron's like waist was at the was at rim level. Like he that was his signature moment that he wanted. And it just barely missed. And God, just again, I know I keep saying just to see, just to see, but if I could have seen that game, just the sort of the legacy um, moment that it was for LeBron coming back from three to one, the Warriors had the a 72 win season or 73. I forget which one, forget how many wins they had, but ultimately 73. And Matt. Yeah. 73. I, I forget because they didn't win the last game of the season because they okay, didn't win so, the championship. So it doesn't matter, but that was my pick. Cause I just think it would have been a fantastic game. What I want to say about going to a Warriors game is honestly, I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to go to that game. Not just because, like, I don't know, it just doesn't mean the same thing to me. I'm a, Le- I like LeBron, but I'm not like crazy for him. But the reason I wouldn't want to go to that game is, is I would feel so much pressure because I would know that like every single tech exec from every big company is there, and I'd feel like I'd have to go there with some sort of elevator pitch for like a new app or some shit. <laughs> like, like I wouldn't be able to sleep the night before. I would just be coming up with like. Or, or maybe, for example, pitching him a podcast idea. 
Oh who yeah, knows? no, I I would have to like pitch every single person that I found there some dumb idea, hoping to get like a hundred thousand dollar check from them just right on the spot to make me go away. So I th- I feel like there'd be a lot of pressure on me, and I feel like I wouldn't handle it well if if I was going well, to one of those games. I mean, all you had all you had to do is in NBA circles just pitch. We're gonna put a radio on the internet, and you would have been just solid. I'm gonna ignore that. <laughs> you, you, do you have you have anything else, Tony? Before we go, no. I mean, I it, is there any? I'm I'm gonna put you on the spot. Is there any college game, any sport, any college game that you would have wanted to see? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I let my own. Um, my own betting history getting in the way of this. I would like to see that Alabama um, Clemson game where they, they came all the way back and Tua comes in. Um, I made some good money on that one as well. Yeah, the, the game that kept popping into my head was the uh, USC Texas National Championship. Yeah. Just the back and forth. But and it would have made me much- angry. It would have made me angry because of line art and what he ultimately did to my uh, professional football team. But yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when someone drops in the draft that just has, like has that. can't can't miss talent, you know, that's you just have to take them, right? Yeah, yeah, still bitter. All right, is there uh, anything else that you wanted to end on? No, man, I don't got any more any more content for us today. I uh, just want to thank uh, everybody for listening. I don't know when we're gonna drop this podcast. Um, what's funny? Honestly, is that when we were thinking about like what days would be best, like everything just blends together now. Like there are no more weekends or weekdays. Like you guys, what we found in our analytics is you guys are listening to podcasts the same on Saturday as you do on a Wednesday morning. Um, so I'm not sure when this is going to drop, but but when it does, uh, just know we appreciate you guys listening. Yep. Mirror that. Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, as I say at the end of every podcast, tell as many people about it as, about this as you can. Um, just trying to get it out to as many people as we can. Uh, Tim, where can they find you on uh, social? Uh, my social, all of my accounts are like this, um, but the one that I use the most is probably Instagram. Um, it's at T-L-E-D-U-C-32. So just a quick, just a quick side note. You said that you use Instagram the most. I, I thought you were using your TikTok the most. I thought you were trying to <laughs> thought you were trying to get in with the Gen Z people. I'm, see, here's the thing. I'm working on it. But can I real quick on TikTok? I know I said I was done. So TikTok, I don't know if you know this, but they like calibrate the things that that you see. There's like an algorithm that people are trying to figure out right now, and they're oh, giving God. me a and copious that, amount of so videos. Wait, there's, there's, Hold on real quick. There's another algorithm in your life. You've got like nine algorithms now in your life. But Netflix, this one's kind of creepy. Amazon. This one's kind of creepy. And I want to tell you why. Because they're giving me a lot of these videos of these like 25, 26 year old females that are basically the whole video is about how they're trying to get in with the cool kids. And it's so fucking cringeworthy. Like I just want to die. And I'm really offended that TikTok is recommending these videos to me. So if there's any way that that, that can stop, that would that would be awesome because um, it's definitely making me feel old. Well, I'm sure now you're going to get a lot more since your phone's listening. Uh, you're probably yeah, going to get a lot the more thing. of this now. You know, I've, I've always wondered um, how much our podcasts are really affecting like what Instagram is is hearing and, and doing for me. Well, yeah, it's Shout out Zuckerberg. Uh, no. No, not at all. Um, shout out Jesse Eisenberg and his wonderfully weird portrayal of him to make him look like just an absolute piece of shit. Which but anyways, is. yeah, which I mean, hey, that's not a hot take. But um, yeah, they can find and I've I, it was pointed out to me by one of our wonderful uh, one of our wonderful listeners that not all my social media accounts were under the same address. So not I all of them are wonderful, by the way. We don't say this about everybody. Some of you are real pricks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so i changed i changed uh my handle on instagram so that it, all of them conform to each other's notes which i know everyone was just so worried about but it's now everything's at t felix thirty four twelve. yes i'm including the 12 even though the the 12 is now wearing different colors you can all go fuck yourselves
it, bro, it's it's about branding. I don't know if you you've heard all these douchebags on uh, these douchebag influencers. It's all about branding, bro. Yeah, and unfortunately, my favorite athlete in my entire life is with another brand. But hey. <laughs> have you have you seen those horrible shirts he's doing? <laughs> hey, man, like I just. I still follow all the. Uh, I still follow him. I follow TV Twelve Sports. I follow Alex Guerrero. I follow all that shit, and it's just it's because I I, I like to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. I like to just every morning because you know how like our parents they wake up in the morning and they read the newspaper. We wake up in the morning and we just start throwing through scrolling through social. Yep. And you know this way every single morning because of course my phone knows that I love Tom Brady. The first thing that always pops up on my Twitter feed in the morning is something about Tom Brady. So it's always like a great way to start my day. A reminder that, you know, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, and Joshua Daniels left the greatest quarterback in the history of uh, in the history of the NFL and possibly the greatest player in professional sports that we've ever seen. They let him go retire in Tampa, which, you know, everybody's great aunt and uncle do. Like we just let him walk to Southern Florida where he's going to go to die. It's yeah, because he's now got a head coach that drinks paint. But anyways, on that note, to, to, to end the podcast on just an absolutely cheerful and positive for forward message. Uh, thanks everybody again for listening. Rate, subscribe, review. And this is the Tim and Tony podcast. Thank you, guys. Play us out, J-Def. Rather have no part than anything. Rather have no part.